Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life with Delane MD podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor and a certified life and weight coach. I combine those two skill sets to help people learn to live naturally healthy lives. So if you're struggling with weight loss, with diabetes, with hypertension, with cholesterol problems, in general, struggling to live that naturally healthy life, not relying on medications or supplements or shakes or any other thing like that, that's what I help people do. I have no magic potion that I'm going to sell you once you sign with me. I have no magic tablet that I'm going to have you take. There's no magic uh, secret that I tell you once you sign on as a client with me. I really just help people learn to live in accordance with the biology of their human bodies so that they can be naturally healthy. So today I want to talk to you about planning to succeed, about uh, the benefits of planning to succeed and about how to make good plans that you can stick to that help you that are aligned with your goals and then help you reach your goals. So I think planning is really important. Many of you know, and certainly if you're a client of mine, I really, really encourage you to make a plan of what you're going to eat each day. Some of my clients just need a general plan, like they need what we call a protocol and they say, okay, I'll have protein and I'll have veggies and healthy fats every day. Of course, M&Ms don't fall into that category and neither do pizza or nachos or chips or wings or any of those things. So lots of my clients will get good results that way, but they do have a plan. They're going to eat two meals a day. They're going to have protein, healthy fats, and veggies with it. Others of my clients really need specific plans. I utilize specific planning. I don't utilize uh, a protocol. I don't live by a protocol. That's what we kind of call it, living by a protocol. I don't um, eat by a protocol. I eat by the plans that I make the night before. And the reason that making the plans are so helpful is one that, of course, you have the plan. Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you prepare to fail. And that's why a plan is so important. If you don't have the plan, you're not going to execute a plan. You're not going to kind of align yourself with the compass of your goals, right? That's kind of what a goal is. It just points you in the right direction. If you don't have a plan, you don't get aligned with that direction. And then it makes it hard to achieve your goals. But in addition to that, when you make a plan and then you fail to 100% execute that plan, you can look at why that happened. What was the problem? What went wrong? Where did I go wrong there? Why, what, what thoughts did I have that led to the result of me not sticking to the plan, which of course doesn't get me to my goals. So I really do feel it's incredibly important to make a plan, but I want to talk today about why keeping a plan, why making a plan is so important, and then really get dive in deep to the specifics about a successful 
plan that um, gets you the results that you want. So again, making a plan, I feel, is key to living a naturally healthy life. It's key to your weight loss. It's key to managing your diabetes. It's key to avoiding um, processed foods so that your blood pressure improves. It's key to eating foods in a way that fixes your blood cholesterol. All of it involves making a plan. What we frequently think making a plan means, we think that it just means planning out what it is. Like planning, I mean, like you just say what you're going to do, right? I plan to eat this at this time. But I want you to think about your current planning strategy, how successful it is, is it, and can you up-level it? Because what I'm going to talk about today is kind of up-leveling the planning, taking it to the next level, right? So you can get the next level results. So what does it mean to make a plan? Initially, again, it's pretty straightforward. What am I going to eat? Maybe you're planning when you're going to eat it. Maybe part of your living a naturally healthy life involves um, when are you going to go out to eat? How that's going to look when you go out to eat, right? Like how's it going to look when you go out to eat with the girls? How's it going to look when you go out to eat with your in-laws? Maybe it looks like planning your workouts. When am I going to work out and what am I going to do for my workout? So the key to successful planning is really to take it deeper than that. And this is where the way I teach it is different than a lot of places and a lot of the, and the ways that a lot of other coaches teach it. It's not just making the plan for what you're going to do. It's also planning on your brain, playing sneaky little tricks on you and putting obstacles in your way and planning for how you're going to manage those obstacles. So about 90, I would say 95% of failures in executing a plan are related to the thoughts you're having. And this is great news because your thoughts are something that you have complete control over. You can plan your thoughts deliberately. I mean, we think we're at the whim of our thoughts, like we can't control them, but that's just not the case. You can be very intentional with your thoughts. Sometimes thoughts will pop into your head, but whether you dwell on those thoughts is completely up to you. That's completely consciously controlled. So I like to plan to feed my mind thoughts, especially around meals, especially around workouts, all of that stuff. So it's not as simple as what am I going to eat, right? That's like initially it seems like, oh, that's the plan. But then going a little deeper, what am I going to do when my brain tells me I don't want to eat what I plan to eat? Or how am I going to handle it when my brain tells me I'm not satisfied with the food that I plan to eat? Or what am I going to do when my brain says, well, I've already bumped my insulin. I might as well eat all of the things. I might as well have a little piece of chocolate and maybe a little piece of candy. I've already bumped my insulin with my meal. I might as well have the things. So again, for those of you who may be new to the podcast, weight loss and diabetes is related to insulin. It's not related to calories. It doesn't matter how many calories you did or didn't eat. It's how the... Um, nutrient composition of your food causes your body to release insulin. When you release a lot of insulin, you will store up a lot of energy. That's what insulin does. It moves energy in the form of glucose from your bloodstream inside to inside your cells so that your cells can use it as energy. When you don't need the energy right in that moment, then the insulin moves that glucose and stores it as fat and fat cells. So this is kind of the, this is like the, the meeting point place between diabetes and obesity, right? Diabetes is insulin resistance. Your muscle cells, your heart cells, your brain cells stop um, responding to insulin as effectively or in a predict predictable pattern. So 
you don't get that energy in the cell. And that, of course, allows your, your extracellular glucose level or your blood glucose level to climb quite high. That leads to diabetes. That's what diabetes is, that, that blood glucose level being quite high. But recognizing that it also is what leads to diabetes. Insulin is a storage hormone. It stores energy and it stores energy as fat. That's what it does. Lots of times my clients will come to me and they'll be like, well, I already ate my meal. I already bumped my insulin. I might as well eat all the things that I won't allow myself to eat later on in the day because I'm allowing my insulin level to drop quite low. These are the sneaky things that you have to plan for, right? You also have to plan for the effect that the dopamine has on your brain, right? When we eat, we release a neurotransmitter into our brain called dopamine, and that feels amazing. It bathes our brain in this feel-good neurotransmitter, so our brain feels good. That, of course, causes our brain to desire to continue eating, right? Of course, I want more feel-good hormone. Let's keep eating so we get more feel-good neurotransmitter in our brain. And that effect of that neurotransmitter is very, very old. It's very, very ancient. It's very, very um, pre-modern. Back when there was a time where food wasn't readily available, you didn't just run down to Dylan's and pick up your dinner and run at home and cook it, right? When you had food to eat, you had to eat the food because you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. That's where dopamine came in. When we ate, we would get this feel-good neurotransmitter that would drive us to want to eat more. Of course, in modern times, there's food always available to us, so we can eat as much as we want whenever we want. We have to be aware of that dopamine drive to continue to eat because many of times, for most Americans, and if you're listening to this podcast, that dopamine drive causes you to overeat into a place where it makes you sick. And then lastly, recognizing the effects of insulin on your brain. Insulin will go to your brain and give you hunger signals. Not only does insulin store up fat, which it does, but it also goes to your brain and it triggers your brain to feel hunger, to be hungry, to talk yourself again into eating. And again, all of this is very primitively driven. Being aware of what goes on in your brain once you started eating so that you can then make a plan for how you're going to stop eating. So then, you know, the next part of our plan a lot of times is when am I going to eat? I'm going to wait till 11 o'clock. I want to have a certain fasting window. So I'm going to wait until a certain time period to start eating, right? Well, that sounds great as the initial plan, but when you take it a step deeper, you have to plan for how am I going to manage the thoughts that drive me to want to eat earlier. I planned on 11, but 9.30 rolls around and I'm wanting to eat. Or how am I going to manage the hunger that comes on before it's time to eat? And that may be real hunger. Like it may be your stomach's really empty. How are you going to manage that hunger? That first wave of hunger. So real true hunger doesn't come on immediately. It doesn't come on suddenly. Real true hunger comes in waves. You'll have a mild wave of hunger. And then if you're too busy to meet it with food, that subsides. And maybe 20, 30 minutes later, there'll be a little more wave of hunger. Again, this comes and goes until you reach a point where you're hungry consistently, persistently. You're hungry for about 20, 30, 40 minutes. And suddenly, oh, of course, it's time to eat. That's good. Okay, it's time to eat. But that first wave of hunger doesn't necessarily need, mean you need to run out and eat, right? Like I always tell my clients, and it's kind of a newsflash, which is really, I mean, everybody gets a kick out of it. And it'd be more funny if it wasn't such a newsflash to everybody. But hunger is not an emergency in America. 
like we treat hunger like it's this huge emergency like oh my gosh we have to go and do something to fix the hunger even when somebody says oh you're hungry you better eat something it's like silently tacked on to that phrase is you better eat something or something bad's going to happen and here's the deal our human bodies are completely well developed and well equipped to handle hunger right 10,000 years ago, we not only survived when we were hungry, but we were we thrived. We populated the earth managing hunger on a regular basis. Our human bodies are completely prepared and well-developed and completely designed to manage hunger. Hunger is not an emergency. So how am I going to manage that first wave of hunger? Am I going to eat at that first wave of hunger? Maybe. Am I going to try to drink some water because I'm not quite ready to eat at that first wave of hunger? Maybe. Am I going to get fizzy water? Maybe. Am I going to have coffee with heavy whipping cream? Maybe. All of these are strategies that I teach my clients to help them manage their hunger, to help them keep to their plan. Then the next, you know, and when am I going to eat is how do I plan to deal with the hunger that comes after I'm done eating? How am I going to manage the feelings or the thoughts of dissatisfaction after my meal, right? Like, oh, my meal's over. There's nothing left to eat anymore. I can't have anything else. Of course, those feelings feel hard and you, or they feel unpleasant. They feel unsatisfied. You have to plan for how you're going to manage that. If not, your initial plan of what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to eat is easily derailed by thoughts of, I don't want that right now. That's not what I really am in the mood for. My you know, brain is telling me that that's not the food I want. My brain's telling me I could eat more, I might as well. My brain's telling me I should eat before it's time to eat. My brain's telling me I need to eat now because I'm hungry and I might die. My brain's telling me that wasn't good enough. I sure would like more. Like if we don't plan and you should expect all of those thoughts to come on and have a plan for how you're going to manage them. If you don't have that plan, it's very hard to be successful in sticking with your initial plan, right? So when we start thinking about going out with our friends or with our family, then, you know, how am I going to manage the evening out with my family, the evening out with the girls, the evening out with my friends? So like initially it looks like, oh, I'm going to have chicken and a salad. Like that seems to be the knee jerk reaction to a plan, right? I made a plan, but taking it deeper than that, how am I going to handle the menu? The waitress is going to hand me a menu. What am I going to do with that menu? How am I going to handle it when my friends want to discuss what apps we're having? Or how am I going to handle it when my friends ask why I'm not having an appetizer or why I'm not having any drinks or why is it that you're just getting a salad and chicken? Don't you want your favorite meal of chicken fingers and fries or why aren't you getting a dessert or why don't you just try a little bit of mine? How am I going to handle all of those comments or any of those comments that come from my friends? Because chances are good that one of them's going to come. And you're going to have to navigate that comment and you want to navigate it in a way that really is in alignment with your goals. Okay. And then the big one that I hear with my clients, how are you going to manage the thought? Why do they get to eat all that junk? And I don't, it's not fair. I wish it wasn't this way. When you have that thought, you feel badly. 
you feel like there's something defective about you that means that you can't eat that food, but they can. And of course, for those of us who've struggled with these negative emotions, meeting them with food, right? Like that's how we deal with our negative emotions. We turn to food and we eat it. Of course, in the moment, that's going to seem like the only right answer. So how are you going to handle that thought when your brain throws it out for you? They get to eat that junk, but I don't, and it's not fair. How are you going to handle that? Having a plan for that. Having a plan for how you're going to handle the menu and the appetizers. So dinner at the in-laws, this can be an issue. Like you go to your family's house, your in-laws house, and they have food and maybe not all of it is food you're going to eat. Or how are you going to handle dinner out? I know when I go out to eat with my in-laws, they all want to look at the menu and then all discuss, like everybody discusses, like what appetizers are we going to get? Most of the time I'm not getting an appetizer. And so I have nothing to add to it, but they really like the process of discussing each and every appetizer of going through it and deciding what the pros and the cons are for each appetizer. Or the other thing, like when we sit down to a menu or to a restaurant, I don't need the menu. I know what I'm going to order. They again want to discuss like, what are you going to order? What are you going to order? I was looking at this. Have you had that? I don't know what it tastes like. I'll ask the waitress. You know, they want to look at every single option on the menu. I don't. I do not want to look at every single option on the menu. When I go to a restaurant, I know exactly what I'm going to get when I walk in the door. I don't even need the menu. Now, sometimes there are times where I'll go and I'll ask for whatever I either looked up online and I'll ask for a certain meal and they'll be like, we don't have that right now. This happened just the other day at a restaurant. The restaurant does these great zucchini noodle, zucchini noodles and it does this cashew sauce, which I have only had there. And it was so, so, so good. The first time I had it while I was going back there and I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to get that. That was so good. And so I went in and I didn't need the menu because I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to get, right? Like this is what I had last time. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. And they're like, yeah, that's not ready to serve yet. It'll be about two and a half hours before that sauce is ready to serve. Do you want to wait? No, I don't want to wait. So then I had to look at the menu and make a reasonable choice. Okay. So, I mean, like even the best made plans, right? Like, I mean, sometimes they fail, but you have a plan, right? And that happens one out of 50 times I go to a restaurant. Like it's so very rare that it happens. The other 95% of the time this works, it's more than 98% of the time, this works perfectly well, right? Like this is exactly how it's supposed to work. So that's one thing that I really have to work on though. Like my in-laws and we sit down at a restaurant, they want to discuss every single option on the menu. And I don't, even know the options on the menu because I've already looked and I know exactly what I'm going to get. And so I just sit there patiently while the rest of the table discusses it, but I always know how it's going to turn out for me. It doesn't matter what appetizer they're going to get. If I was going to get an appetizer, I would have already decided on it. Like this is the appetizer I'm going to get. If you want some of the appetizer I'm going to get, that's awesome. I'll share it, but it doesn't matter what you're interested in getting because I'm not interested in getting that. Like, that's just not something that I'm going to eat. So also like going out with family can be a little different than going out with friends, right? Family tends to feel like it's their right or obligation to give you interpretations of your lifestyle and your free choices. So what this might sound like is this one time isn't a problem. Why is this a problem for you to eat this right now? It's just this one time. 
or it's not healthy to eat that way. Like if you're fasting during a meal, which I've had to go out to eat sometimes and fast during like a meal. So I just get like a glass of fizzy water. Sometimes I'll get a glass of wine. It's unlikely to break my fast. Sometimes I'll get food to go. I'll be like, well, I'm not really hungry right now, which is true. I'm going to get a salad for me to eat tomorrow for lunch. Like I'll just get it to go. But sometimes it's just that you're sitting there and you're not eating and people have a lot of opinions about that, right? That's not healthy. You shouldn't do that. Or my other favorite is you don't need to lose any more weight. You're fine. You don't need to lose any weight. Like it's not an issue. Like don't worry about that. You should eat, right? How are you going to manage these comments from the people that you're eating with. How are you going to manage your thoughts around it so that your actions stay in alignment with your goals? So we also see this, of course, with working out, right? Like it's not always just about eating. What am I gonna eat? When am I gonna eat? How am I gonna manage times out? When I'm working out, this is a big one. How are you gonna manage it when the alarm goes off at 6 a.m. or at 5 a.m. or at 4 a.m. and you're tired and you don't wanna get up? Like, how are you going to make it as easy as possible for you to get out of bed? What are you going to do when your brain offers you that you can do the workout later in the day? Like you don't need to do it now. You can just do it when you get home. Just stay in bed and go to sleep. You're fine. How are you going to make it as easy as possible to get out of bed and get the workout done? So some of those times this looks like um, setting your clothes up the night before, setting your workout shoes the night before. I, in the winter, I like to put a warm robe on the bed or next to me because it's cold to get out of bed and I don't like to be cold. Slippers that I can slip on right next to the bed because I don't enjoy being cold, right? The other thing that I have learned to do is to turn on like, I try not to look at my phone when I'm going to bed because I know the light um, decreases the melatonin in my brain and it decreases the sleep drive. But in the morning, that serves you well. So when your phone alarm goes off, shutting the alarm off and looking at the phone, shining that light in your eyes, that wakes you up, that helps make it easier. So anything that you can do to plan for that obstacle, right? Like I'm not gonna wanna get out of bed. How can I make it as easy as possible for me to get out of bed? Same thing with doing the workout. What am I going to do for my workout? How will you manage it when your brain gives you another option? Like, I don't want to do legs today. Maybe I just do arms or maybe I don't do any weights at all. Maybe I'll just do yoga. So it's really funny. My brain does this all the time. And I'm, I want to talk about this a little bit. My brain, even on yoga days, my brain's like, yeah, let's do anything but yoga. It doesn't matter what the plan is. My brain offers me something different. It does this with food and it does this with working out. It always does this. This is just the way the brain works. So here's the deal. The brain likes to have variety. It is wired this way. This is a hardwired effect of the human brain. And of course, we're in this modern age with limitless options, right? Like we have so much variety and our brain, of course, continues to offer us unlimited options. Many of times these options do not align with our goals or serve our health. And then of course it becomes an obstacle and a hindrance to what our greater goals are. So making a plan becomes more than just making what's going to happen at 11 a.m. or at 5 a.m. when my alarm goes off, right? It's more than just what am I going to eat at 11 a.m. It's more than just what am I going to do at 5 a.m. when my alarm goes off. A successful plan becomes planning for the obstacles also. It includes planning for the obstacles. Planning for when my brain offers me something, or in most cases, anything 
other than what I have planned. So sometimes having a plan involves what I call getting granular. And this is like the next level up, right? Like making a plan, what am I gonna eat? That's level one. Making a plan for the obstacles. What am I gonna do when my brain offers me this or when I don't like that or when I tell myself that I'm not interested in that food? That's level two. Getting granular with your plans is really the next level even above that. That's level three. I've talked about this in the past. There's another podcast on this, but it really means planning out each and every step. So a lot of times with working out, this is very helpful. If your plan is to get up at 5 a.m. and go work out, and you've had that plan for two weeks and it's not happened for you, my suggestion is you need to get granular with that plan. So that really means breaking it down step by step. Instead of hitting or shutting off the alarm or instead of hitting snooze four times until there's no more time to work out, your plan needs to be more granular. That looks like it's not a simple, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and work out. It's at 6 a.m. I'm going to get out of bed and go to the bathroom. At 6.10, I'm going to get dressed. At 6.15, I'm going to be in the car. At 6.25, I'm going to be at the gym. I'm going to do cardio until 6.55. And then from 6.55 till 7.15, I'm going to do weights. That's what I mean by getting granular, breaking down each step. And sometimes it needs to be even more than that. At six o'clock, I'm going to shut my alarm off. At 6.01, I'm going to be in the bathroom. I'm going to be out of the bathroom by 6.07. By 6.07, I'm going to be in my closet. I've already got my clothes laid out. I'm going to be dressed by 6.10. I'm going to be putting my shoes on at 6.13. I'm going to be in the car. Sometimes even I'm going to be grabbing my keys at 6.14. And I'm going to be in the car at 6.15. I'm going to be at the gym at 625 and on the treadmill by 617 or 627. Breaking it down into very, I mean, like minuscule steps is sometimes what it takes because with each accomplished step, you're more likely to accomplish the next step. That's just how it works. That's just the science of accomplishment. What it looks like at a restaurant is, you know, okay, I get to the restaurant. Next step, I get seated with my friends. Next step, the first thing that I'm going to order is sparkling water with a lime. I know the waitress is going to hand me a menu and I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to put it under the plate that's at my table setting and I'm going to wait for her to ask for my order. I already know what I'm going to order. I don't need to look at the menu. And then, you know, how am I going to respond to these forcing comments, these things that I can predetermine that I can expect my friends or family are going to say, what is going to be my canned response to that? What is that going to look like? Maybe even running through it in my head, rehearsing it in my head. And then the waitress is going to come and she's going to ask for my meal and I'm going to order my predetermined meal. I already know what I want to order. I do not need to look at the menu for anything new. So here's the deal. This is a sneaky thing that your brain's going to try to do, right? It's going to be like, no, you should take a look, see what's on there. You already know what's on there. If you've done your homework and made an appropriate plan for this outing, You've already looked at the menu, you know what's on there. So you just order it. Don't fall prey. Of course your brain's gonna tell you that. It like wants all the options. It wants all the wants you to consider everything that's out there. It wants the variety. You don't need to know about the variety. You already know what's on there. Looking at the menu just leads to confusion. And then of course that offers your brain this opportunity to weasel in there and say, hey, yeah, we should definitely order these other things. We're not even in the mood for that food we planned. So these are the components. This as discussed are the components for making a successful plan that's implementable, that's executable, right? You can execute that plan. So you make the plan, you plan for how you're gonna handle the obstacles, and then if needed, you get very granular with that plan and you break down each step. Recognize you have to plan for success. 
We want to believe that success is just going to magically happen for us. And that is just not how it works. You have got to make plans for success. You have to plan for being successful. You don't have to have a successful plan. That's not what I'm talking about. That is success as an adjective describing said plan. I am saying that you have to plan as a verb for success as a verb. You have to be successful by making sure you're making a very detailed plan to achieve that success. That's really what you've got to do. This is what I do with my clients. This is what I do to help them reach all of their health goals. If that's something you're interested in, working one-on-one -on -one with me, definitely send me a message to Delane at DelaneMD.com. Set up a time for a consult and see if this is something that would work out for you. Um, see what it looks like to work with me so that you can reach all your goals. You can live that naturally healthy life. You can get off your meds. You can have the weight that you want. You can achieve all those things. So that's what I do with my clients. If that's something you're interested in, send me a message. If you have any questions about this podcast, I'm happy to answer any of those questions. Send me a message to Delane at DelaneMD.com and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the work with me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.